Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Danny Parkin Show. Let's do this. Thank you for spending the end of your weekend with me. My name is Danny Parkins. This is the Danny Parkins Show. We do this every Sunday night, 10p to 2a Eastern. I'm coming to you live from the great city of Chicago, more specifically. Coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Millions of Americans finance the home of their dreams with their help. They can help you too. Rocket Mortgage, push button. Get mortgage halftime of Sunday night football with the Colts on top of the chiefs 13 to 10. You can weigh in on your top takeaways from week five of the NFL at eight, five, five, two, one, two, four, two, two, seven. That's eight, five, five, two, one, two, four CBS. We're going to have an NFC East hour in an hour. Patrick Walker covers the league and most specifically the Cowboys. He'll join us at 11 p.m. Eastern. Craig Hoffman covers that football team in our nation's capital who should be firing their head coach tomorrow. He'll join us from D.C. after he leaves the Nationals game uh, coming up at 1140 Eastern. That's Craig Hoffman. But for now, 10 things at 10 Eastern week five edition boys. All right. Number one. These are in no particular order, but this man absolutely deserves top billing. Should we be discussing Christian McCaffrey through the lens? Best non-quarterback offensive weapon in the NFL? I think the answer to that is yes. Now, there are obviously a tremendous number of skill position players in the NFL. At any given week, you could convince me that it was Julio Jones or DeAndre Hopkins or Saquon Barkley. It is a remarkably talented league. And obviously, Pat Mahomes is the best offensive player in football. But if the category is best offensive weapon, non-quarterback, Christian McCaffrey is the number one guy right now. I'm not going to say that he's the MVP of the league. That's Pat Mahomes. That will be a quarterback. But Christian McCaffrey, I did the math, and that's not something that I normally do. He has 866 yards from scrimmage with seven touchdowns in five games. Think about that. 587 rushing yards, 279 receiving yards, 866 total, had 237 yards from scrimmage today. First player since Jim Brown to have at least 175 yards from scrimmage in four of his first five games to start a season. He leads the league in rushing and is a monster receiving threat as well. He's been spectacular, and that's not a team where he's surrounded with skill position guys. Teams are trying to key in on him. 
It's not working. You can't cover him with a linebacker. He'll run over you if you put a corner on him. Christian McCaffrey is simply amazing. Speaking of amazing, number two, I think Deshaun Watson is straight up a magician. I'm so jealous that Deshaun Watson isn't a Chicago Bear, the team that I cover. Deshaun Watson's my favorite college player ever. My wife went to Clemson. I watched every single throw that he had in college. I said he should have been the number one pick in the 2017 draft in front of Miles Garrett. Bears had the second pick after they traded up from three. I thought they were doing it to take Deshaun Watson. If it wasn't for Pat Mahomes, Deshaun Watson would be the consensus face of the league in the future. He's a 10 out of 10 personality. He's a 10 out of 10 entertainment factor. Could not be a more humble, smart young man. The story growing up homeless, getting a house from uh, Habitat for, for Humanity, from Warwick Dunn, his mother overcoming cancer, their relationship, how he gives back to the community. He's going to win the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award at some point. And then he's so confident in himself after these games to give these lessons that are probably you know remedial stuff to football players, but to NFL media and fans, it's like football X's and O's porn. He somehow threw for 437 yards and five touchdowns today, and it wasn't the most impressive thing of how he did. Just how he carries himself is everything you want in a face of a franchise, face of a league type, but he's not the face of the league because of Pat Mahomes. I just hope Houston keeps him him upright because he is breathtaking to watch play football. And I know that's not a hot take or anything, but he just deserves all of our appreciation. He's remarkable. Third thing, as we go through 10 things at 10 Eastern on week five of the NFL, you can weigh in with your top takeaways at 855-212-4227 or react to mine. I can't wait to see someone in the football analytics community, pro football focus, football outsiders, Bill Barnwell, run the numbers on this. But it's got to be undeniable at this point that the longer extra point has actually made kicking worse. Just like instant replay has made officiating worse because refs are officiating to the review, so they're losing conviction on their calls on the field. Kicking is worse. We've had some horrible weeks for kickers in the NFL. Also, have had some kicking injuries in the NFL. But Cairo Santos today missed three kicks, had another one blocked, and then Mike Vrabel loves field goals so much On fourth and five, late in the game, down a touchdown, he calls for a 53-yard field goal attempt from Cairo Santos. Put the man out of his misery and go for it on fourth down, Mike. I feel like because the extra point has been brought back and extra points are no longer a gimme, it's like in basketball when, hey, if you're slumping, just get to the free throw line so you can see one or two go through the net. I feel like the extra point for kickers is equivalent to the free throw for basketball players they're not getting the gimmies anymore and it's getting in their head you got to be going for two more and you can't be doing what Pete Carroll did on Thursday night football settling for 47 yard field goals at the opponent's 30 yard line on fourth and one don't put the game in the foot of the kicker rely on your offense to pick up fourth and short we got a kicking problem in the NFL number four and this one pains me We got to give John Gruden credit. I thought the game had passed him by. 
and his stock had just skyrocketed because he was on Monday Night Football and he was doing Gruden QB camp and he was saying man all the time and getting impersonated by Frank Caliendo. Win against the Broncos week one. All right, who cares? Two tough losses in terms of good teams, Vikings and Chiefs. But then at Colts and in London against the Bears, to get to three and two with all those rookies and undrafted players that made that roster out of training camp with Hunter Renfro, seventh round receiver being a big part of your offense with Tyrell Williams, your number one receiver being hurt going up against the best defense in the NFL and dominating them. I bet you I'm the only person who has a national platform. That's going to say Rodney Hudson's name this week, but Rodney Hudson's the best center in the NFL. He's been paid like it twice, but he I mean, after the Akeem Hicks injury, which happened early for the Bears, I mean, he dominated the interior of the Bears defensive line, which dominated the Vikings offensive line last week. I mean, the, the Bears held Dalvin Cook to 35 rushing yards last week, and Josh Jacobs, who the Raiders selected with the first draft pick, the first round pick that the Bears traded for Khalil Mack, Josh Jacobs behind Trent Brown, yeah, he gets a lot of love, but Rodney Hudson, the center, they dominated the Bears' front seven today. That was a very impressive win. And then John Gruden talked that trash after the game, saying he didn't have a disco ball in there, clearly mocking the Bears and Matt Nagy in their club dub. Very impressive for John Gruden. Number five as we do 10 things at 10 Eastern, week five of the NFL. Speaking of John Gruden, Jay Gruden, yikes. Jay Gruden, we haven't uh, gotten the press release yet, but... You and Dan Quinn continue to be in an absolute race to the bottom for first coach to be fired. Washington gets blown out by the Patriots 33 to seven old videos, mysteriously resurface of Jay Gruden partying who cares, but clearly not a good look and how it came out. Now drop to zero and five. You say, ah, the key card works. I'll keep working. Reports that your quarterback knows that you don't like him and he was an ownership pick and you don't like the QB and you start Colt McCoy. That thing's ugly. And Dan Quinn, I'm not even mad anymore. I'm just disappointed. You get blown out by the Texans, 53-32. One and four for the second straight year. Your team shows absolutely no fight. I can't keep doing the fire Dan Quinn show, but they are in an absolute race to see who gets fired first. And of course they both deserve it. There's really not much more to say. Washington fans are straight up apathetic. Falcons fans are apoplectic. I guess the situation in Atlanta is better because at least you know that you have talented players and you don't really know that in Washington, but both situations are just an unmitigated disaster. Washington and Atlanta. Number six. Speaking of the NFC South, you know the Saints and Pan- and Panthers are both 3-0 and since Cam Newton and Drew Brees got hurt? That is remarkable. I honestly don't know which one is more impressive. But I feel like the Saints are as talented as we all thought they were, and Drew Brees is going to come back and have them be a Super Bowl contender. And Kyle Allen... Congratulations. You have started a quarterback controversy. 
I think there's one between Mitch Trubisky's ears in Chicago, but not on the field because he's way more talented than Chase Daniel. I don't think we can say at this point that Cam Newton is a better option for the Panthers than Kyle Allen is, which is staggering for a 30-year-old former MVP who they've built that team around. I have no idea how Panthers fans are feeling. I don't know a single Panther fan in real life. If you are one, 855-212-4227, I've got to imagine you're at the point where you want Josh Allen over Cam Newton, which is just remarkable. Speaking of quarterbacks, number seven, 10 things at 10 Eastern, week five of the NFL. Man, Dak Prescott is who I thought he was, and the Cowboys are who I thought they were. I hammered the Packers' money line today. Dak Prescott had three interceptions in his first four games, had three picks today. Dak Prescott has just been average over the course of his career, but he's had the best situation any quarterback can ask for. And the second he gets a little bit of adversity on the offensive line, takes three sacks, throws three picks, gets hit a handful of other times. Lyle Collins banged up in and out of the game. Tyron Smith misses the game. Dak Prescott padded his stats and had people fooled into being that he was an MVP candidate by beating up on New York and Washington and Miami. Dak Prescott is slightly above average and he's in a great situation. And if he was in Miami or Cincinnati or Jacksonville or Buffalo, no one would talk about Dak Prescott. He'd be just a guy, but because he's the quarterback of the Cowboys, everyone wants to enshrine him in Canton. He's fine. Number eight weekly reminder of how terrifying this sport. We all love is that dominates and owns one day of the week and basically hijacks three-sevenths of our week. Football, man. Football. That Mason Rudolph hit was terrifying because the hit itself didn't look that bad. And he was knocked out before he hit the ground. His head snapped back on the field. Juju Smith-Schuster was immediately in tears. The cart somehow was broken So Mason Rudolph had to stagger off the field, which is just disgusting. NFL can't have that. $15 billion league. You already have George Atala, uh, Atala, spokesman of the Players Union, coming out and calling out the league for Mason Rudolph being walking off instead of being carted off. But how about this for an image? Mason Rudolph concussed on the field, knocked out, motionless for a time while Ryan Shazier stands and watches. Honestly, a chilling, chilling moment in the Steelers game. And then we all just go back to red zone in our games and our bets and our fantasy. And we say, Hey, they signed up for it and they know what they're getting into. Yeah. At this point they have, and they do, but those moments still are sobering. Even if they know what they're getting themselves into. Ninth thing that I saw from week five in the NFL. They're not quite a Dolphins level or maybe even a Washington level of slump buster. But, whoo, boy, the Giants are just what the doctor ordered, aren't they? Even though they beat Tampa, the Giants are what got Tampa's offense locked in. And then the Vikings were like on, they were like two steps away from a mutiny. 
Kirk Cousins apologizing. Thielen's throwing his QB under the bus. Diggs is requesting trades. Then all of a sudden you play the Giants. Kirk Cousins looks good. Thielen's in the end zone. Diggs only has a few targets, but is saying, I want to be in Minnesota and winking with reporters. If your team has a problem, schedule the New York Giants. They are putrid defensively. Boy, are they they lack talent on that side of the ball. Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, legitimate reason for optimism on the offensive side of the ball. Dexter Lawrence, nice player. But man, do the Giants have problems on defense. Last thing, the 10th thing for 10 things I saw at 10 Eastern, week five of the NFL. And then we get your top takeaways and your reaction to mine at 855-212-4227. Anyone else notice how many business decisions Tom Brady's making week in and week out now? I think we now know the answer. How do you play quarterback effectively at 42? Learn how to go into the fetal position. Learn how to throw the ball into the ground. And I'm not even hating. It's just so clear that the Patriots have such a defensive advantage and such a coaching advantage. And obviously Washington stinks, but Tom Brady, whenever you are sniffing him, whenever he can smell your breath, whenever you're in the same zip code of him, chucks the ball away, goes fetal position. He's playing the long game. Stay healthy. Be upright in January. Don't make the fatal mistake. It's really interesting to watch because he's not that talented anymore. He really isn't. But physical talent, there's 10 guys in the NFL more talented than Tom Brady, if not more. Obviously, between the ears, he's second to none in the history of the league. But this iteration of Tom Brady, it's... It's odd to watch because it's so conservative compared to even everyone else who's playing his position. And rightfully so. Again, no shade. I'm not hating. But it is jarring when you watch him how conservative he is with his body. 855-212-4227. That's 10 things at 10 Eastern, week five of the NFL I want to hear your top takeaways and if you're on board with the Cowboys backsliding and crashing down to earth because they are exactly who I thought they were. So we'll get into that coming up. 855-212-4227. It's a week five postgame show edition of the Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio. Now back to the Danny Parkin Show. It is the Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio, the radio.com app, our toll-free line, 855-212-4227, brought to you by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Still 13-10 Colts on Sunday Night Football. Big upset Bruin. Big under coming in. That was a 55-point over-under for the game. Colts were 11-point, 10.5-point underdogs, depending on when you got it. Obviously, still plenty of time left for the Chiefs to win by 30 because, you know, Pat Mahomes. But... Very impressive showing by the Colts so far, especially with no Malik Hooker and no Darius Leonard on their defense. But we're looking for your top takeaways uh, from week five of the NFL. I gave you my 10 at 10 Eastern. Christian McCaffrey, best non-offensive quarterback weapon in the league. Deshaun Watson's magic. The regression of NFL kicking talent. 
credit to John Gruden, disgust with Jay Gruden and Dan Quinn, the remarkable NFC South runs of both the Panthers and the Saints, Dak Prescott and the Cowboys' regression, the terrorizing fear within this game around the Mason Rudolph play, the Giants' defense as the ultimate slump buster, not named Washington or Miami, and Tom Brady and the business decisions he's making out there. 855-212-4227. Danita in Florida, a Falcons fan, wants to join the show. Good evening. How are you doing, Danita? Good, Danny. Thank you for taking my call. Um, in reference to what you said about the Falcon fans, um, as a Native fan, we are, we are disgusted, but we're at a point to where we know the team has the talent, but there's such there seems to be lethargic. Um, we don't know who to blame anymore. You know, we, you want to blame the back office. You want to blame um, Matt Ryan for self-protecting. I call him Twinkle Toes because he – I mean, he played a little bit aggressive tonight, but at the, it was a little too late. But it's like it's we don't know what to think anymore. Yeah, I gotta be I gotta be honest with you. I I don't see why your offense can't be a top five, top ten offense in the NFL with the proper scheme. We saw it at times with Sark, but we saw it all the time with Kyle Shanahan. You've got the best wide receiver duo in the NFL, arguably in Ridley and Julio, who still is amazing, and Matt Ryan. I mean, he had a great year last year, so it's not like he's slipped off in terms of his accuracy or his arm talent. I really just feel like it's skill, or excuse me, it's scheme. It's scheme by the coaching staff. You got to get an offensive coach in there to revitalize that offense. Well, everybody knows that our, our plays we're going to make. They already know. It's yes, like, I, it's like it's so obvious what we're going to do. Yeah, it it does feel like they've become predictable. I appreciate the telephone call, Danita. That that Falcons team is built to perform like those Colts teams with Peyton Manning when they had Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison and you had the super cerebral, knew the offense like the back of his hands, very accurate quarterback, albeit not one with the biggest arm, but just on the same page with his receivers who run brilliant routes, play in a dome, play for speed, get out to a lead, and then have, you know, Deion Jones and Vic Beasley and some of the speed linebackers, because they're not the biggest linebackers, but they got speed, rush the passer. And I know Deion Jones is more middle of the field and Vic Beasley comes off the end, but that's what it was supposed to be. And then, you know, with uh, McKinley and uh, Grady Jarrett and Dontari Poe, like they've tried to beef up that defensive line, but it just hasn't worked. They get they get punked on the defensive side of the ball and blown off the line of scrimmage every single time I watch him. But that's not what the Falcons are supposed to be. The Falcons are supposed to play from in front. The Falcons are supposed to play to speed. The Falcons are supposed to play a big type of offensive game. But, of course, their scheme is totally broken and, to her point, predictable on offense. And then they're playing from behind and teams are just teeing off on them. So it's a really, really bad combination in Atlanta. And I would very seriously consider firing Dan Quinn two weeks ago, frankly. But that, to me, is a perfect spot for Lincoln Riley if he's interested in making the jump. So I'd move on quick and start putting that out there if I was in Atlanta. My sense, though, from talking to Falcons fans on this show the last couple of weeks... Falcons fans are angry. What about Washington fans? 
I see just straight up apathy. There was a picture that a reporter put out that went viral on Twitter this morning of like the main pathway walking up to FedEx field. And you could see probably 300 fans in the shot. You didn't see a single person in maroon and gold, but you saw like 30 Tom Brady jerseys. That's just straight up apathy. Scott Van Pelt was talking about apathy on Twitter as a proud Marylander. Like there's just, when your fan base doesn't care, you need serious, serious overhauls. We'll talk to the uh, reporter for Washington coming out of D.C. at 1140 Eastern. Two huge stories outside of football that we can get into. Well, I know most of you are watching Sunday Night Football, so I'll hit on one fun and one serious in the basketball world before our NFC East hour coming up, plus your NFL calls, 855-212-4227. Now back to the Danny Parkin Show. All right, welcome back into the Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio, radio.com, sports, Sirius 206. In 20 minutes, Patrick Walker joins the show to kick off an NFC East hour. The NFC East is fascinating and had a really interesting day. All teams involved. We'll discuss them all over the course of the 11 o'clock Eastern hour. Sunday night football, upset brewing. Colts just punted. Chiefs downed it at their own five-yard line, so they got 95 yards to go. Almost the end of the third quarter, still Colts on top, 13-10. to 10. We normally do all NFL on the show on these Sunday nights, but... There's two basketball stories, one serious and one anything but that I'd like to discuss right now. And we'll do the serious one for as long as I feel comfortable with it, frankly. And then we'll transition to the not so serious one that I feel indefinitely comfortable with, infinitely comfortable with, however you want to say it. But there is a really fascinating story developing with Daryl Morey, the general manager of the Houston Rockets, who I've always respected because not only is he analytics-based, every team in the NBA is now, but he's hyper-aggressive. He did not fear the Warriors super team. He makes aggressive deals for star players. He's the kind of general manager you would want running your team Constantly chasing a title, willing to be bold to pair star players together in an acknowledgement that that's how you win in the NBA. So I've always respected Daryl Morey from afar. Also, I respect how he interacts on social media and with the media. He is, he gives off the appearance of transparency, being a real human being he will go on local radio in Houston. He will do Bill Simmons's podcast. He will uh, interact with owners, players, fans, media on Twitter. He just seems like a normal dude. And he's got thoughts on things in basketball and outside of basketball. Which, as you know, the NBA supports, right? You've got LeBron James, very active on social causes, Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich, any number of players. The NBA prides itself on individualism. Kevin Love talking about mental health. Like, it doesn't matter if you're talking about gun violence, your community, mental health, the president of the United States, Colin Kaepernick, your startup business venture. The NBA supports individualism and players speaking on their own causes. 
Daryl Morey shared a thought in that vein on the geopolitical situation in China. Now, I am really interested in politics. I'm fairly well read. I can't say that I know all of the ins and outs of it, but broad strokes, obviously, China, communist country, Hong Kong, interested in democracy. There's a disagreement there about Hong Kong and China, between Hong Kong and its overarching governing body. Daryl Morey sent out a tweet in support of Hong Kong. Now, if you know anything about the NBA, the NBA's business interests in China are massive, like basically as big as they are in the United States, massive. The NBA cares about China and Asia basketball a lot. Nike, a ton of business in China. Adidas, a ton of business in in China. NBA media, a ton of business in China. NBA players do tours to Asia and China every offseason. It's why Adidas never dropped Derrick Rose from his contract, even when he kept getting injured and he had the the civil case uh, with the rape allegation because he still made so much money for Adidas over in China. China loves basketball. China loves the NBA. And specifically, China loves the Houston Rockets because of Yao Ming. So the NBA, super pro individual, super pro uh controversial stances, social issues, wading into those political waters. They got no issue with it. Daryl Morey tweets something in support of Hong Kong instead of China. NBA world blows up. There's a ringer report that Daryl Morey is on the chopping block. It's since been disputed. Daryl Morey deletes the tweet, sends out a two-part apology. I did not intend for my tweet to cause any offense to Rockets fans and friends of mine in China. I was merely voicing one thought based on one interpretation of one complicated event. I have had a lot of opportunities since that tweet to hear and consider other perspectives. I have always appreciated the significant support our Chinese fans and sponsors have provided, and I would hope that those who are upset will know that that offending or misunderstanding them was not my intention. My tweets are my own and in no way represent the Rockets or the NBA. The NBA releases a statement. We recognize that the views expressed by Houston Rockets general manager Daryl Morey have deeply offended many of our friends and fans in China, which is regrettable. While Daryl has made it clear that his tweet does not represent the Rockets or the NBA, the values of the league support individuals educating themselves and sharing their views on matters important to them. We have great respect for the history and culture of China and hope that sports and the NBA can be used as a unifying force to bridge cultural divides and bring people together. So, in summation, Daryl Morey messed with the NBA's China money. That's what happened here. Chinese media group offered teams. You can basically pay for league pass in China, but for one specific team to watch all the games. The Chinese media company that offers that service offered up any fan who paid for the rights to watch every Rockets game the right to change to another team for free. They've pulled money. Now, Sham Sharania has reported that the NBA will not be disciplining Daryl Morey. Still no word officially on if the 
Rockets will do anything to their own general manager. But this is complicated. And it's really interesting because it shows you the NBA is all about individualism, opinions, controversial issues to a point. Now, all they've done is release a statement. They haven't suspended or fined Daryl Morey. But think about what that backlash is. You can crush the American president if you're in the NBA. You talk about China, it is a swift reaction. Now, if he gets fired, it will be a straight-up First Amendment outrage. And that's not hyperbole. So I believe that the NBA will not want that fight even if that fight involves their business partners with China. I don't think the NBA would want the Rockets to fire Daryl Morey or even punish Daryl Morey over this. Now, I might be being naive there, but it would be such a bad, hypocritical look for the NBA to step out on all of the things that they've stepped out on and then for a high-profile general manager to step out on this issue and him to get his legs cut out from under him on it and to lose his gig. I have, I don't know where this story will go, but what would be fascinating is if someone bigger than Daryl Morey backed Daryl Morey. Because again, I'm no expert on the geopolitical dealings between the U.S. and China and China and Hong Kong specifically on this issue. I'm not claiming to be an expert there. Like I said, I know the broad strokes. But what if Yao Ming came out and said, Daryl Morey's right. Or what if LeBron came out and said, Daryl Morey's right. What would they do? Because the reaction to this was so swift, what was start, it, it reminded me of how NFL owners clamped up when Trump started tweeting about the NFL. The NBA owners don't seem to care about Trump in that way. The NFL owners do. There are reasons for that that, frankly, I don't want to get into right now, but China seems like it might be a bridge too far, which is really interesting because who knows where that goes politically with the issue with Hong Kong, with anyone else supporting Daryl Morey, with anyone else wanting to speak out on that issue. Like that relationship is really, really strong financially. But if you start looking into the social issues or the human rights issues, over in China, let's just say they don't exactly align with all of the domestic human rights priorities and social issue priorities that the NBA has supported so much. So this could get messy if people really look into that or people bigger than Daryl Morey speak out against the situation in China because that reaction from, the, from China was swift. They didn't like being called out. 
in a tweet from a general manager of a team that's popular in the offseason. That happened really, really fast. Okay, to the fun basketball topic real quick, and we'll save more of this for the end of the show. Shout out to KU Basketball. Bringing Snoop and the pole dancers to late night at the fog. I see what you did. KU's 12-1 to win the national championship this year. I might bet them. They basically said, oh, really? The NCAA is going to come down, vacate some uh, Big 12 banners, suspend Bill Self eventually, future postseason bans seem likely. All right, we'll go out with a bang. And then we'll pretend that we didn't know what acrobatic dancers in the modern entertainment climate, end quote, meant. That is an all-time statement from Kansas's athletic director. All-time. But in the midst of NCAA sanctions and punishment and finger-wagging, KU brought Snoop Dogg to Late Night at the Fog, their version of Midnight Madness. He did unedited songs. He had girls pole dancing. And he was walking around shooting out fake money out of one of those like t-shirt cannons over them making it rain. And in the promotional video for the event, Bill Self was wearing an Adidas shirt who was obviously at the center of the NCAA problems with a big gold chain with a dollar sign around it. That is just one colossal middle finger to the NCAA. And I am here for it. Patrick Walker covers the Cowboys and the league. Are the Cowboys the fraud that I thought they were. Patrick Walker covers them. He joins me next. It's the Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.